Hi friend, it's 2020. And let's be real, if you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and sometimes overwhelming. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement in the midst of living, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. I'm thankful you're listening today. The plan for this podcast in 2020 is to talk about clarity around different issues that I sometimes struggle with, thinking maybe the topics will resonate with you too. Up until now, we've been talking about finding clarity around living an encouraged life. And as of this episode, we are segueing into a discussion about having clarity around finding happily ever after. In other words, we're going to be talking about healthy marriage relationships. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Whether you are currently single, in a romantic relationship, engaged, newly married, or have already celebrated your silver or golden wedding anniversaries. I hope you find these next few episodes of the podcast encouraging, maybe insightful, and helpful in a practical way. I'm looking forward to interviewing different couples about their relationships and how they go about living happily ever after in the day-to-day distractions and detours kind of life. And as always, if you want to know more about the current series or get the study questions that go along with it, you can check those out at my website, www.janellewood.com. Just look for the section at the top of the website that says Clarity 2020. Today, my friend, how else could I start this series other than with the person who knows the most about living happily ever after with me? <laughs> He's been my husband for over 15 years. We have four children together. He cooks and he bakes. He's my dream boat. Please welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, Mr. Brian Wood. Brian, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Before we got married, I had some pretty romantic notions, some pretty big romantic notions of marriage that were mostly the stuff of daydreams, novels I'd been reading, and Hollywood movies. Um, in fact, when I was 15 years old, for those of you listening, I'll tell this story. I read a novel by Robin Jones Gunn, um, about a character named Christy Miller. And that girl had started writing letters to her future husband. Um, and so I got this idea in my head that I was going to start writing letters to my future husband. And so, yeah, around 15 years old, I started doing that. And when we got married, when I was 23, I gave you a scrapbook full of letters, uh, Brian, of my hopes and dreams for you and our marriage. Um, It was my wedding gift to you. You remember that? I do. (laughs) Um, 
no pressure at all. I had all my hopes and dreams from eight years just wrapped up in this beautiful scrapbook, just waiting for you. And I had all these expectations. I think you did. (laughs) I probably missed all of them too. (laughs) I don't think so. But just to give the listener an idea, I did find that scrapbook because it is in our room and the off chance that you ever want to read it. Um, And just for a note for the single ladies out there, uh, the number of times you've actually grabbed this book without me like motioning to it. How many times in the last 15, 16 years? Well, I've grabbed it to move it. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I wrote this and it says from a number of years ago, 17 years ago, um, I've discovered a new thing tonight, sitting here alone in my car, waiting for registration to begin. It's raining outside and the way the rain paints movement on my hands and this paper as the light pours through the window, well, it's remarkably beautiful in some way. And I never noticed before. Funny how beauty sneaks up on us like that, even in the little things. I'm registering for graduate school tonight. I've been accepted to Northwest College, and for the next two years, I'll be, Lord willing, working towards my master's in counseling. It's so exciting and yet equally frightening at the same time. How this has all worked out, though, it's so amazing. God is so faithful. I can scarcely believe I'm going to be pursuing my dream. God has opened the doors for me to go in a way that leaves me no doubt of his hand in this. Our God is awesome. I should probably keep this little letter short or this letter short. Good night, love, Janelle. And then I finished writing that. I walked into graduate school registration and I met Mr. Brian Wood that night. And it was like the movies. Just like the movies, except that it wasn't. <laughs> okay, I have one more letter to read, just just for the curious listener. Yeah, because people are asking. Yeah, okay. Dear Brian, this was written uh, a couple months later, so not very long after that. Dear Brian, the ridiculousness of this letter does not escape me at the moment. I am well aware of my longings for a romantic relationship, And those feelings, combined with the delirious state one enters into after midnight and recent observation of you behaving as a man of God, has me writing a silly and probably incoherent letter to you. (laughs) Do you remember this? Probably not, because I've only read it to you twice. Oh, well, you will not read this letter lest I die and someone finds it in their power to supply you with this as a means to remind you of moi. Moi, I use the French term for me, and or sadistically find it humorous and self-flattering to disclose my personal correspondence with virtually myself to others, or, or, you are the one. The latter, of course, is the reason for this letter. Even a natural pessimist such as, (laughs) such as I would not dare write a letter for the purpose of humiliation. Could you be him? Even with my recent romantic inclinations, I've yet to develop a real attraction to you. You are a young goofball whom half the time seems to be somewhere else. And that's where I ended the letter because I probably fell asleep at that moment. But any thoughts for the listeners on? No drama there whatsoever. (laughs) No, like, what is it? Melodramatic, like, tense thing. I I mean, they could write a movie about us. I could be your Mr. Darcy. Right. Well... Ironic that you say that because you remember what my maid of honor said. I remember exactly. What did well, she not say? exactly, exactly, but Janelle, you've always wanted your Gilbert Grape or Mr. Darcy. Not Gilbert Grape. 
whatever. Gilbert, Gilbert Blythe. Gilbert, Gilbert Blythe. That's how much I remember. But And you got Brian instead. <laughs> yeah. Which was meant in a different way than you could take it. Right. So I was this huge dreamer. Um, I had been planning my marriage out in my head since I was probably Born. six years old. And you, on the other hand, where were you coming from? I don't know. <laughs> I know you thought about it because you had written. I didn't think about marriage, yeah, but I didn't like write down like letters to my future wife or anything like that. I mean, I I journaled about like love and marriage, but I don't. I didn't plan anything that I remember. You're looking at me like I did. I think you did write one letter. I feel like. Because when I when we got married, you did have some journals that you had written letters to God about getting married, and I feel like you had written at least one or two things to a future wife. But maybe I did. And I'm, I'm not, not sure. saying for those who are listening, I think the idea of writing a letter to your spouse is really special. Um, I'm not sure that they'll appreciate it the way you think they'll appreciate it. My children will appreciate these letters some days, and or someday, and maybe. Maybe a listener right now is listening and, and finding it amusing. <laughs> and maybe if I die, you'll read these. I don't know. Would you? I think so. Yeah. I'm sure the kids would read them, open them up and ask to read them. They like to look through I books fe- of memories. I feel like someday stories. if I'm a published author and I were to get that thing going, this could be like material for a really good book someday. Like how not to write letters to your future husband. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, to just give you guys a sense, I am very dramatic and full of dreams and expectations. And you, Brian, are... I am flat. No, you're calm, soothing, go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And when we got married, um, or when we got engaged, we were opposites attracting, I think, right? Yeah. And clearly from that letter I wasn't um that it wasn't love at first sight. No, it wasn't like in the movies where like the golden like light behind the person shines and you know the music plays and everything like that, but I don't know that love really is that way. I mean that that's more probably a lust side of thing than than the love side of thing, but love builds and love grows. Well, I remember I remember you were a nice guy and we talked about um, how I went up to you and shared with you about anxiety stuff. Um, But then I heard you pray in class because we were going to a Christian graduate program and I remember like tearing up. Uh, Obviously, I was a little on the dramatic side as we've already established, but um, I remember thinking, wow, I've been praying for a man with a heart like that for a long time to come into my life and I went home and I I wrote a letter to you Um, because I remember hearing your care for the people in our class and your heart towards the Lord and that prayer and I just thought wow it's pretty special and then we became friends yep we became friends and And Mariners games and yeah you didn't you didn't mess around you were a straight shooter once you liked me you liked me and I didn't know if I did or not. <laughs> and you put up with me through all that. I wouldn't say put up. 
but yeah. Yeah, you did. I was stay the course. You stayed the course, and I wasn't sure what course I wanted to be on for a long time. And I think even after we got married, there were parts of me that thought, what did we do? Um, and before we got married, I hope it's okay if I share this story. If not, You know you I'm always later. open for you sharing stories. I know, stories, but so I won't use any you're names. You're not going to embarrass me or anything? No, I know, but... Um, you had a friend come up to you and say that he was afraid that you were making the worst mistake of your life by marrying me. And I don't know why, but you shared that information with me. And I have to tell you, um, I was really mad that you, first of all, he said that. And second of all, that you shared that with me. Um, but there have been times in our marriage where I've thought back to that when I'm angry with you, like, and those really dark times and I thought, there's no way I'm letting that prediction come true. Um, so that might have been one of the best things that ever happened to us was him thinking that I was the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Yeah. I think it's just funny how different brains work because the only time I even remember that is when we're talking. Like, I don't I don't look at it as the worst mistake, and I never would. And, like, it's not even anything that pops into my mind <laughs> except for when you bring it up. But... Yeah, I think it's a motivation at times, and it has been a motivation, so. Yeah, I'll never forget that. But, yeah, you, if someone, if one of my friends said that about you, it wouldn't have bothered you. It would have probably bothered me, but I probably would have forgot. Mm. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, no. (laughs) We are different. So, um, I wanted, because you are my husband, um, I wanted to ask you some honest questions what do you think of the idea of happily ever after happily ever ever after is definitely a, a choice that you have to make i think it's not always going to be uh what are some of the words you know like you always think in the movies everything's all happy and lovey-dovey all the time and it's not always going to be like that but that doesn't mean it's not happily ever after it's it's really a work and a a, a choice and you have your good times and you have your bad times and it, but happily ever after is really how are we serving God in our marriage and how are we as a couple continuing to, to learn from each other and sharpen each other and, and really be that commitment. You mentioned um, two people kind of like iron I think it's Proverbs, I have it right here, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I think happily ever after, I don't know if I would ever say, ha- I don't know who came up with that idea. I need to look that up or Google it. Happily ever after. It's not happily ever after. It's committed ever after through happiness or not. <laughs> And it is an ironing. It is a sharpening because I don't know that there's another relationship that makes you see yourself so closely in someone else's eyes. I don't know. No, and I think we all want to pretend like we're not selfish, but when you're married, you become aware of how selfish you are. I think that's one of the biggest things that just smacks you in the face. And even the person that would say, well, I'm not selfish at all. When you get married, you're like, okay, I am. I am selfish and I do a lot of things for for me. Um, what do you think makes a happy marriage 
or a marriage that tends to be more happy than than not. Well, even though I know it, it bothers you at times, I think laughter is a big thing, and I tend to be a little bit on the sarcastic side, so um, sometimes I push it a little too far, but I think <laughs> being able to laugh together is, is a big part of it, and being able to um, just be open to the, the fact that there are going to be times that it's going to be uh, you're at differences but really being able to circle back to what is the purpose of the marriage and what is if you're united in god then it's to to serve him so you know being able to have those tough conversations and and work from that those moments to become stronger but no i think it's it's also in in being able just to share life with somebody and and take the goods and take the bads. The and there you have the facts. You got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know. I, one thing that has really helped me is being thankful. You know, when I get really frustrated or there's something, um, or personalities clash or whatever differences come up, um, it's choosing to look for those things that I'm grateful for in my spouse and not uh, not stay focused on the things that don't that won't last really and I think something else too was that let's see our daughter was only once it was like seven years ago we hosted a marriage class in um, our home a small group and we did Gary Thomas's uh, sacred, sacred marriage. marriage and that's a great book a great study I would definitely do it again and one of the, his concepts in there is what if um god designed marriage to make you more holy than happy and holy is just a word that means set apart and um you know kind of sacred and so um i don't know i i don't know if i like i said earlier happily ever after i don't know i mean you and i have definitely we've been through some some things you know we've We've lost babies. We've lost house, <laughs> a house. You know, we've we've had some trials. We've moved quite a bit. Um, and when I say we've lost babies, we've had what, five miscarriages. They were early on, but they were still pretty sad. And uh, you know, those things are hard. And it life isn't always happy. You know, we've lost people, our grandparents and things. So when you get married. And you say for better or for worse, there's definitely better days and there's definitely worse days, you know. But it's like what you're saying, having that commitment and being able to laugh. Um, and in fact, I think, who's that expert in Seattle? John Gottman? I, I believe it's, one of them. yeah, John Gottman, who talks about um, one of the factors you can tell if a couple is going to make it or not is if they can laugh in the middle of a fight. Brian's always making me laugh, which is good. Um, Ka-chow. We might need therapy after this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the hardest thing about marriage? Be honest. I won't take you to therapy, I promise. The hardest thing about marriage, I think, is just learning how to, how do you get two selfish people to be one? And and sometimes it's really easy, um, you know, on on either things that you both believe and have strong beliefs on or united common 
things, but you know, the men's brains are so different than women brains and, um, there's a lot that you get hung up on. So really just not you personally, Janelle, but each, each people, (laughs) but, uh, that really, that is the hardest thing of, of how do you, because I think it's important to meet your own needs in a marriage, but how do you meet your needs along with your spouse's needs and make, make those come together and then when you add kids you add on you know we've got four so you're adding on four other needs that you're trying to do and and as much as I want to say well my kids are selfish but I'm not or I'm just as selfish so really how do you meet your needs along with making sure that your needs aren't overpowering or anything of your spouse's needs or your kids needs that's really I think one of the hardest parts about marriage and those needs are different for each couple and uh you know you can get wisdom from other people but it's really a a game that you have to play with your spouse of what is it that we're going to come to and and agree upon and how are we going to do that yeah i think for me one of the hardest things has been not comparing um because i i am always dreaming of things in my mind, you know, an idealist thinking of how things can be better and whether it comes to our marriage or comes to your, you and me, our relationship or you, something you do that someone else, you know, they do better or whatever. It's really hard for me, um, to lay down that expectation and not put that on you. Um, and there's been many times in our marriage where I've been unfair to you, um, because, I've seen someone else do something, you know, like we've talked, obviously we've talked about all these things. It's okay. We're, we're, our marriage is strong. Let we can fly. talk about all these things, <laughs> Let fly. but let's just be honest. Um, you know, one of my love languages is gifts. I love thoughtful gifts and it doesn't mean that I need some big expensive thing. Um, but one of yours is not, it's, that's not one of your top ones. In fact, I would probably say it's probably your last in terms of giving or receiving. Yeah. And I love giving gifts and I love receiving them. Um, and so especially in the first few years of our marriage and um, even sometimes now it's been something where, hey, why can't you do it like this? Or this would mean a lot to me. And I don't, like what you were saying, you need your needs met. Like that feels like this love tank, you know, but at the same time being willing to say, okay, that's not how God designed Brian. Um, and <laughs> can I accept that he didn't and maybe pray that one day, you know, uh, occasionally he he will do those things. And I know for, um, I joke sometimes, I'll say, you're the only man that I'll ever be with, so would you do this, please? Um, which may or may not be fair, I don't know, but um, when you do do those things, it makes it even more special when you do them, and um, I think, like what you were saying about the selfish thing, it's God's kind of shown me how selfish I am, and being able to let go of, Hey, I need this. I need this in order to feel love. Well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't need that, um, right now. And God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So, um, 
yeah, if Brian Wood isn't, uh, you know, giving me the special gift that I think I deserve or that I want, uh, you know, I can let go of that and trust that God will take care of, of my love tank. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's been the hardest thing for me is letting go of, of my right, uh, for better things in my mind and humbling myself and recognizing, uh, that you're not perfect and neither am I. And God brought two imperfect people together and together I think we make a pretty good team so I think so you know we both had these really high expectations well I did I had a really high expectation of you and I romanticized marriage for a very long time and I think a lot of women do but I think I was given an extra dose of romantic imagination and so then to have those dreams meet reality um, I remember those those first few years of marriage were hard, and then and then we did try to have a baby. We had a miscarriage, and then another miscarriage, and then a year of infertility. And so, those first five years of marriage, it was a lot of disappointment, and I I was angry with God for a lot of that. I think I was angry with Him for, hey, this marriage thing isn't as easy as I thought it would be. Uh, Brian's not meeting my needs like I thought he should. And uh, and you haven't given me uh, a child like I begged you for. Um, so anyway, yeah, I it wasn't, wasn't a super healthy relationship with the Lord. And, and you and I weren't that faithful. I mean, um, we would go to church sporadically, but it was kind of like, well, if I need him, I'll go to him kind of thing and not um, a daily a daily investment. So there's a lot wrapped up in that, but yeah, I think I in, in a nutshell, uh, yeah, I think even though we weren't faithful, it grounded us in something because I know, especially with the miscarriages, it's such a different thing for a man than it is for a woman. And, it, and I think that that put a strain because it wasn't that I didn't care or that I wasn't hurting. It's just, it's different you had something growing inside of you and i'm just a you know observer at that point in a way you know so those definitely add a lot of stress to it because of the way that men process and women process and men i think naturally most men want to be a protector and in something like that there's not really anything you can do to protect so that can put a lot of strain on things. But I think that the one thing that we always knew was that when we said I do on our wedding day, it wasn't just an I do to one another, but that there was a, a mutual understanding that this was a marriage with God in it. Um, and even though we, we weren't as faithful as we should have been, could have been, at that time it was still grounded in that knowledge of that was our so i think i i know that's just something that i think was always there and we could turn to is that no well we made this commitment and it wasn't just because i think that that's the thing is if you just make the commitment between two people it's easier to just say well that's fine we just grew apart or we're not in love anymore or anything like that. but when you have a third figure in that in a that you are making the covenant to with as well that you know isn't going to 
turn from you and isn't going to say, um, yeah, that's fine. Just, just go your different ways. It didn't work out. Then it's, there's a power there. I think that helps you get through a lot more things than you could have. If you just were a couple making an agreement to one another or a covenant to one another. Mm. Yeah. What you just said kind of reminds me of that verse in Ecclesiastes. Um, I think it's Ecclesiastes 4.12 where it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Um, And a lot of people use that verse for their wedding verse (laughs) because it's indicating that it's not just you, it's not just me, but also God is in the mix. And um, yeah, he always was in the mix for us, but um, it wasn't until I think Hannah... So our our last baby, so about five years ago when we sat down, we said, okay, we say that we love the Lord. We say that we love, you know, our kids. We say that we, all these different things, but are we actually living it? And we kind of took inventory and um, made a lot of changes. And and maybe even, I think when we lost the our house, which was before that, so maybe like nine years ago or so. Um, there was a shift for us, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we did, I think going through infertility and the miscarriages, there was this desperate need for God. Um, even though I really wrestled with some anger and frustration and, um, and then coming to God and surrendering to him. And so things started to change for us during that season, but then when we were pregnant, when I was pregnant with Hannah, our last baby, um, just going, okay, well, have we ever read through the Bible together? Mm-hmm. Do we pray for each other every day? Do we make that kind of commitment? And so we started doing that every day where we would pray together. We'd read a chapter in the Bible together. And it's just really simple. We just ask each other, um, how can I pray for you today? And that's, I think, changed our marriage more than anything that we've done, more than any marriage seminar we've gone to or marriage class or book we've read. That simple act of spending 10 minutes together every day, starting our day like that or ending it that way. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I definitely think it's a purposeful thing. You know, what? It, what is the same culture eat strategy for, for lunch? I mean that's that's a culture thing. So culture eats strategy for lunch. It, it means that even with the best strategy, if you don't have a good culture, you're not going to go anywhere. Oh, so we changed our culture. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because in the past we were like, "Hey God, if you do something good for us, we'll make sure we acknowledge you." And genie in the bottle. Yeah. yeah. We were the kind of those Christians, weren't we? I would say, yeah. I mean, I think. It changed. It started to change when we went to the presentation Sunday and, you know, prayed. And For people who don't know what presentation Sunday is, can you? It's an amazing thing. And what is it, Bothell, Cedar Park Assembly of God, they do a thing. At, I think it's the last Sunday of every, of every January where it's devoted to, you know, people who would like to have children but are struggling in, in some way to do that. And I remember. That I think that kind of a time that I would say that it pinpointed a change in us where it was, okay, whatever, 
you have a plan and we have to be submitted to that rather than trying to submit you to our plan. And I think that that wasn't a perfect, you know, it wasn't like a complete transformation, but I think that's to me a point where I would point that our faith began to change. Yeah. And I remember that day because we, we'd had a baby at that point, we'd had our son and we couldn't get pregnant or no, we could get pregnant. We had three more miscarriages. So we'd had two, then a year of infertility, then our son, and then three miscarriages. And so we'd gone back to the fertility clinic. There was a problem with the insurance. We'd had a big fight about that. Or I was really mad at you. I remember that. And, um, my mom shared with us about this presentation Sunday, which I didn't want to go. Uh, (laughs) and so we dropped off our little boy with my mom and dad and, uh, I remember, you know, we had a bad, I had a bad attitude and somebody mentioned, Hey, change your attitude or, or God's not going to bless that. And that just made me feel worse. And we went to this service and I remember one of the pastors getting up there and he said, you know, we've been doing this long enough that we know most of you are here and you don't want to be. And, um, in the Bible, there's a story of this man who is, uh, loved by his friends. He's carried up to the top of a rooftop, lowered through the roof to see Jesus because there were so many crowds around, around him. His friends lowered him and Jesus saw the faith of the friends and healed that man. And the guy said, you can look in the Bible and that story is told. And not once does it say that Jesus saw the faith of the man. He saw the faith of the friends and he healed the man. And he said, we're here today to be those friends for you and to pray for you and believe for you. And there was something that shifted in me that day. I went back home and I read, I went and looked that up. I think it's in three of the gospels. Totally (laughs) true story. Jesus did see the faith. And usually in scripture, usually there's stories that say, you know, Jesus saw the faith of the person. Jesus saw the faith of the person that he healed and he healed them. But in this story, it's totally different. He saw the faith of the friends. And these friends loved him, and they lowered this man to Jesus. And so when we went forward that day and asked for prayer, there was a song that played, and I can't even listen to it anymore without like coming back to that moment. And it was, oh, how he loves us. And it's just nothing that we do, you know, determines any of it. God just loves us. And there was something that shifted. It wasn't any more about the outcome. It was about Jesus loving us and just being in his presence and knowing that, um, you know, obviously we still wanted to have a family. Nine months later, we had uh, our second child, our, our daughter, Naomi. That was totally a gift from, from God. And then we didn't have any miscarriages after that. We had two more babies. Um, but yeah, there was something that, that changed for me then too. And it was, I remember when I started bleeding with the Naomi and just telling God, you know what, this is your story. <laughs> I'll tell people whatever the outcome. I'll tell them that we, we stepped out in faith and uh, and that this is yours. And yeah, I've been sharing that story about our daughter ever since. I do want to ask a couple of these final questions. So what are some practical tips you have for someone who is still single as far as looking for, quote unquote, the one? I don't know if I have anything practical, but um, pray. I think it's important to 
really have a a good grasp of what it truly is that you're you need in that that partner because i think if not it's easy to get swallowed up into the love you know the the love the what is it the emotion not the the actual love love and it clouds your judgment so to to really be mindful and and have accountability partners that will be looking for and and speaking into you whether it's the man or the woman you know if there's guys listening to this that 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 spouse or that potential spouse is really matching up to these are the things that i would really find that i need in a spouse um but the prayer in all things is the most important i think because that really grounds you to a relationship with god and if you're not grounded in that relationship with god then i think it's a lot harder to have that god-filled spouse so i mean those in a nutshell would be what i would kind of pick out so can Uh-oh. i oh here found comes something. the letter i found something in my scrapbook the letter okay so my scrapbook that you wrote to me and to another girl, I should add. Guys, be careful what you write. <laughs> that you wrote when you were still single. This is what you wrote. What I am looking for. Christian. Duh. You actually wrote that in parentheses. Attractive, which means cute, but more importantly, awesome character and someone who is real and true. Sense of humor. Same ministry goals as me. Concrete thinkers are nice since I am abstract. Like the outdoors. Totally swung and missed on that one. (laughs) Intelligent. A little outgoing. And has to be willing not to kiss. You swung and missed on that one too. (laughs) (laughs) But do you feel like you had a pretty good grasp on what you wanted? And did you actually get what you wanted? Yeah, I, I... I think I did. And I think the important thing on the list is to to really know like which ones are your uh, I guess I know the outdoors things is not <laughs> you like it from a distance, but you don't like to be in it, but you know identifying what are your your deal breakers and those are the really things that are are would make your marriage rooted, you know. It's not like the outdoors is going to root my marriage, but those other things Christian and intelligent and outgoing and and those types of things those are things that are are going to refine me and and also be part of a a good marriage so i have one last question before i ask my always standard question um i was wondering if during this month if you wouldn't mind being my co-host because i think it would be really fun to interview people together and just you know be ourselves you know i'll be there (laughs) i I don't know how good i'll be as a co-host but we'll work it out and we'll figure it out i love you and i think you're a great co-host so okay all right deal all right so the finding something real podcast is about a journey towards redemption eternity authenticity and love of those four gifts that we can find in jesus christ which of those stand out to you the most in your married life right now and why with i think eternity um because that that's really i think as we've matured together that that's become our focus not necessarily our eternity but other people too 
and that's a big reason why we moved to hosting students um, from other countries is is to be mindful of that and to every chance we get to really wrap that into a relationship with other people Um, because really it's it's not us moving people other than the relationships that we have with them to be able to speak into their lives and and I think that that's a focus not only of of our marriage but also us going out in that marriage together good it reminds me um a friend of mine introduced me to this song this week that it's just it's wrecking me it's called vision of you by Shane and Shane and if you're still listening to this right now after you're done listening Google it. It's so good. And it's all about having that vision of, of what's important, the vision of Jesus. And, um, there's this line in there where he says, may the vision of you be the death of me. And it's all about like keeping your eyes on him. And I feel like the more you and I keep our eyes on the Lord and we just focus our marriage on that instead of trying to work out the differences that we encounter or the things that our personality differences or, Hey, you didn't do this or I didn't do that. Or, Hey, I don't cook and you, whatever it is. Um, that by just pursuing Jesus, our marriage has been strengthened, transformed. I feel like in the last five years, I don't know. We used to dream. You remember this when we were engaged, we would dream about someday, sharing about marriage or encouraging people using our counseling degrees to help others with marriage. And in some ways, I mean, I know this isn't counseling, but we get to like do that right now by doing the podcast together. Yeah. Kind of like a dream come true. There you go. Maybe not all dreams are bad. Not all dreams are bad. And marrying you is better than the dream. Ooh. Maybe. I feel special. All right. Okay. Well, (laughs) if you're listening to this, Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, please hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real and having clarity through detours and distractions. Per usual, you can follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag Finding Something Real. And of course, you can also sign up for the free clarity resources that go along with this current series by heading over to my website at JanelleWood.com. Remember, friend, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>